This podcast is a proud member of the CypherCast Network. Discover more at cyphercast.net and follow us on Twitter at cyphercast.net. Welcome to Incantations, an Invisible Sun podcast. I'm Scott. And I'm Dave. And we'll be your guide along the paths of suns. Today we sing one spell. With playing with the world's toys, we talk about running powerful NPCs and how they break the system of Invisible Sun. Join us on the path of suns and we may uncover a secret or two. When we cast Playing with the World's Toys, we talk about the mechanics of Invisible Sun. This time we're going to dig into a short section from the recently released book, Secrets of Silent Streets, titled Running NPC, Vizlay, and Other Powerful Beings. So you can find this on pages 24 and 25 in Secrets of Silent Streets. And this is an interesting section, and it makes me think about NPCs, not totally differently, but it sort of codifies how I had been running NPCs and other powerful creatures, entities and beings. Basically NPCs don't play by the same rules that uh, the player characters do. So player characters have spells they can cast. They have abilities they can use. They, they spend their experience points in order to, you know, get new things for them to do. Uh, And it's all very, it's, it's pretty well laid out. So if you want to cast a spell to generate light, you're going to have a general spell or you're going to have some sort of ability that will allow you to do that. And that's cool. And if we were playing a more, if we were playing a, a traditional game like Dungeons and Dragons or Pathfinder or all sorts of other things, that's how it would, it would work on the other side of the table for uh, the game master. You know, you would pull your monsters for the adventure. You would read through the abilities they have. uh, You would read through their spell lists and you'd pull all that stuff together. And then you would follow those same rules that the players are following. But Invisible Sun and, you know, Cypher System, along with all sorts of other games, we, we as GMs, don't follow those rules. Our characters, especially in Invisible Sun and Cypher System, are very uh, brief. There's not much going on with them. You, If you read through the settings book, uh, if you read through Secrets of Silent Streets or the you know core books that come in the cube, you're going to see most of the information you get about NPCs is just about who they are and what motivates them. And then their stat block is really just, here's their level, And then do they have magical defenses? And then do they have any bonuses to things they can do or defenses that they have? And that's really it. There's not much else going on with the NPCs. And there's this section in Secrets of Silent Streets about running these uh, characters as a GM. So basically what it says is make up the abilities and spells that they have at their disposal and make them flexible, make them appear smart and capable, and make their abilities uh, make sense in the context that they are appearing in. And that's it. Like, 
consult the the list of effects by power level and use that as your guide to determine if you know an npc would be able to do this sort of thing that you want them to do scott how do you run your npcs like how have you done it uh mostly along these lines i when i've developed npcs uh I would mostly just say, who are two or three interesting things I want the NPC to do? Uh, establish levels levels for that. When they needed something maybe defensive or reactive, I would look at their level and decide whether what what options they would have with their uh, range of levels to respond or defend against a particular action. But it certainly it was just sort of a list of cool things rather than a comprehensive list of all the things that entity could or could not do. Yeah, and that, that's how I've looked at it as well. Um, they, the group that I've been running for, they've only run into uh, an NPC Vizlay that they were, I guess, coming to blows with once. Uh, they've run into creatures here and there. Um, but the, the creatures I found to be a bit more straightforward uh, but the NPC Vizlay, there there was a lot of stuff that they could do. And I was running into, I guess, sort of a problem where I was thinking, how powerful should this character be? And how much can they break the system that the players are accustomed to? So they're thinking, hey, we can we can cast some divination spells and we can track down this person's whereabouts. However, that sort of thing should be much more difficult if this Vizlay is on the run and is trying to stay hidden. Uh, and the same thing goes for if this character is, you know, trying to avoid being captured, they should have magical defenses set up and in place that will foil attempts to try and do just that. Uh, and the thing I kept, kept running into is that it sometimes feels like you might be taking... Um, you might be taking the agency away from the player characters because you're not playing by the same rules. So do you, do you ever get that feeling where you can do anything you want, but you're not sure where the line is to still make it fun without making the players feel like whatever they do is arbitrary? Yes, and I know those instincts come back from decades of RPG play and design where there was almost a sense that it was a game being played from the players against the, the GM. Mm -hmm. And if the players could kind of, if they, the, the way you win is by figuring out something about the creature. And so the only way for that to work is to have the creatures stats kind of defined ahead of time. And so they are benchmarking against that particular creature so that you could go to a con and, and brag about how you took out the Tarrasque or something on those lines and know that, Everyone who took out the Trask did the same, you know, fought the same type of creature with the same limitations and, and the like. Uh, I've moved away from that mostly. Mm -hmm. And instead, but, but, and, and so I've struggled with what to replace it with. And what I've come to when I was running Invisible Sun was to think of creatures more as puzzles than as uh, stacks of hit points and, uh, and pointy swords or whatever. It's, and that enforced some discipline on me. So what I did have to do in advance was to say, again, what are the two or three cool things I want this creature to do? What In what ways will the players be most able to affect this creature? And how can I signal to the players that those strategies are the most effective in this given circumstance? 
whether it's an element in the environment they could use against the creature, whether it's a particular type of power they should use against the creature, whatever whatever it might be. Uh, I had to be able to signal to the players that they would be able to affect the creature using this strategy if I wanted to really break the rules um, and use these kind of broader range of, of, uh, of strategies. Uh, I didn't feel it was fair just to say, you come up with the creature, you have no idea what it can do or how bad it is, um, but roll for initiative and maybe you can figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I forced myself to signal in some way what how the players could sort of solve the puzzle of that creature. So that 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 sounds like the list of abilities that they, that is on page 25. Um, it sounds a little bit like that. So there, there are a bunch of abilities that they've listed in the book. Um, so defenses, defenses against various effects, different attacks and utility things. Um, and I mean, if you, if you take a look at those first three bullet points, uh, one of the abilities that this uh, NPC might have is, oh, the first attack them just fails. Or they have some sort of uh, spell or ability that turns physical attacks against them uh, back on the aggressor, um, and that stuff—it's not. There's no, there's no rule in place that says this is how this functions, and here's how you defeat it. It just says, "Hey, here are some ideas to make this NPC a little bit trickier and a little more interesting, and maybe you have an idea of how the characters are going to get around it, but maybe you don't have any idea, and you just throw it out there and see what they do with it." Yeah, Monty Cook is a very, um, I think we would have at one time called him a killer DM. <laughs> he is rough on players and he, his games often, Invisible Sun in particular, he's emphasized like, Visley are powerful, so be rough on them. And so, yeah, I could see him designing uh, an, an encounter where they'd say, okay, I want the creature to do these three things or these two things. And um, I don't know what you're going to do. Figure it out. You have lots of options. You've got a weaver there. You can do anything you want. You, yep. you know, a maker could make something. You, you have so many options. Now it's for you to figure out what the solution to this puzzle is. Uh, and this, this is common in a, across a lot of game systems now, where a, advice often is: don't necessarily design encounters as if there's one way through the encounter. Instead, design an obstacle and just say, "Now, what do you do?" Do you climb over the wall, bust through the wall, bribe your way through the gate, teleport? What I just put up the wall. You figure it out, depending on what your option set is. And that seems to be the, the approach here. And even these descriptions are vague enough that they can be implemented in many ways. Mm-hmm. One that I, I kind of struggled with in reading through this section was the, uh, uh, the first attack always misses. Because I don't know how to signal that. And in some sense, once it happens, it has already happened and you're done with it, which isn't the most satisfying ability it's just sort of a it seemed at first read as sort of a gotcha it could be yeah but it inspired me to think of of ways that are kind of adjacent or or abilities adjacent to that one that i think could be really interesting like imagine a creature you could not attack intentionally that's an interesting twist (laughs) and that turns it into a puzzle how do you attack something accidentally uh, maybe it's knocking over a wall and the wall damages the creature. Maybe it's blindfolding yourself so that you don't actually know that you're attacking it, but you're just flailing around with your swords or wh- whatever it, it may be. You Now you have a, a puzzle to solve that you can signal and then wait for the players to come up with a, a, a strategy to overcome that obstacle. 
Uh, but the, the, the and it is inspired by that one little passage about the first attack always failing, even though I didn't like that particular one. So I, I wanted to go back and talk uh, briefly about the power level of Visley. And, and this is something that I think Monty has said time, not time and again, but I've seen this come up here and there. Uh, I know he's talked about it, but basically a level 14 or 15 challenge is something that a well-prepared and clever Visley can achieve. And it does usually mean that they're going to be spending a lot of their resources in order to achieve it. But it's something that is within reach. So like throwing throwing a an NPC with defense 13 at a party, it it's not necessarily out of the realm of their abilities. It's certainly after a little bit of time playing as they have mm-hmm. built up skills and have a, an array of spells to draw from. As a, For a starting party, that would be pretty rough. Yeah. Um, so then going off of that... Uh, because the Visley, because the Visley is able to achieve such high numbers and be successful at it, that's why you need to have these twists on your NPCs in order to make them more of a challenge. Uh, you need to, you can't just have a level ten creature show up and say, "All right, try and hit a 10. Like if you have a Weaver or if you have a Goetic who's summoned up a, a very powerful entity. Like it's doable. It's not a big deal. Um, But if there is some caveat that kind of breaks the logic of the numbers, that's when your characters actually have to get creative and come up with some way to, you know, figure out how to beat this thing that is doing something that's slightly different than just having big numbers. Right. And, And the way the system encourages the development of NPCs is you you have a level and then uh, you deviate from that level to say, okay, this is a level seven creature, but um, if you try to attack it, you know, it has level 10 defense against bludgeoning or whatever it might be. However, you know, you can make it very strong against particular strategies and weak against others. That same, uh, that same creature might be level 10 against bludgeoning, but uh, against a piercing weapon, it is going to be only a level four. Uh, or against anguish or against mental damage, it is only a level five. Uh, so you can create creatures that are more or less susceptible to different attacks. And similarly, their attacks can be more or less powerful depending upon how specific you want to get with their write-up. Um, but in the end, that that's still just kind of playing with the numbers, which... Totally fine. Uh, sometimes it's good to have you know an encounter that is more straightforward. Uh, but all these abilities that they've suggested, it, it's changing how the numbers work. It's like, yeah, the, the number is big, but the number isn't the important thing. Like you can't use magic against this creature because it just gets thrown back at you. So now how are you going yeah. to deal with it? Yeah, and, and, and I, I like that because it just... Um... It allows you to just define whatever it is you want as an ability. Now, this is a terrifying freedom for some. um, (laughs) And at some times, I certainly have experienced that terror. Uh, But I I like this section of the book in particular by emphasizing that when in doubt, it's more important to have an interesting encounter than it is to figure out what the rule is on it. Yep. And so if you want a creature that uh, turns all all magic into music, 
and uh, therefore would require some just ridiculous ability to actually affect them with a fireball uh, or some sort of blunt magical instrument. Well, what if he just played just, death just metal at them? And, and let them figure out. And even if you hadn't planned that the solution is um, the uh, an Inya bomb uh, <laughs> and you just lull them to sleep and maybe it's a permanent sleep. So it's, it's, you're, you're not, not in some sense killing them, but you are, you're cursing them with this, with this uh, soft music that lulls them to sleep and you've overcome that, that, that obstacle. Uh, I think the game is very much set up so that you, you have seemingly impossible obstacles, but you also have, players that can do the impossible let them figure out how they can use their particular type of impossible to overcome these seemingly impossible challenges oh, now i've just thought of an encounter I've, I've thought of a whole thing now um there should be some sort of creature that has taken residence in the submerged opera and it is shutting down all the shows there but it is weak to the dulcet tones of kenny g and the the players will have to like travel to Gray to bring Kenny G back into the actuality. Oh man, that that uh, I'm not sure I can support that uh, strategy. There, there has to be a better way. Yanni, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> or instead of hate cysts, you have mellow cysts. <laughs> you walk into them and you just sit down and chill out. Oh, oh, so but, uh, fish. Yes. Uh, and as a result, you never make it across the uh, the system. So it's, it's a threat in its way, but it's not necessarily a threat of violence. It's just a threat of you losing your focus or something along those lines. Uh, but again, this is all of in that same kind of general advice of come up with the obstacle and just let your players figure out how they're going to use their ample resources and uh, flexibility to solve these problems. The Vance will have to figure out how does she use her spells uh, the weaver will have to figure out what exactly they weave together. The maker may have to build something or figure out how to use what they have built to solve this problem. The apostate will likely sit around and complain that no one else has already taken care of this. Uh, and the you know, every uh, the go and the goetic will you know summon someone to ask about it if they're a low level uh, or uh, low tier goetic, uh, or they'll just summon someone to take care of it <laughs> if they are high tier goetic. It does illustrate that all you have to do when developing an encounter uh, using these guidelines, and, and these, these tables are really useful for this, is to say, well, um, you, you need to develop some sense of what base encounter uh, difficulty level you want to start with, but uh, say, okay, I need, I know I need a guard, uh, so let's make a guard that's not just a person with an armor and a shield. Let's look at this list and let's find some defensive things that make them guard-like. Just pull a couple of them together, and you can use this to create, if you don't have an idea already, uh, to create your a, a new guardian that is distinctive and maybe unique for that situation. Uh, I think, it, as, as the general advice in the book is, also draw a sooth card just for your own purposes mm -hmm. and say, well, what here tells me, you know, signals to me what I want to add to this particular, uh, what inspires me for this encounter? This ends our walk. Maybe you discovered something today. Maybe you need to look closer. The music was titled Beyond from Wes Otis and Plate Mail Games. It is available from DriveThruRPG. Invisible Sun is the intellectual property of Monty Cook Games. You can find a link to their website in the show notes. You can find our blog at incantationspodcast.blogspot.com or email us at incantationspodcast at gmail.com.
You can find me at Agonseer, that's at A-G-O-N-S-E-E-R, on Twitter. And you can find me at Tex underscore Red on Twitter. So please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes uh, or whichever uh, podcast app you are using. Uh, it really helps us out. Uh, we also like seeing ratings and reviews, whether they're good or bad. Uh, or else just tell a friend about the show. That's another great way to get the word out and ha help people find us.